Hi, welcome back to the Havila Podcast. I'm your host, Havila Cunnington, and today we are continuing our series on purpose-driven habits. Uh, last week was really good, so if you are just jumping in and you have time, I'd pop over to last week uh, to start the series, but today we're going to talk all about structure, connection, and how those are not two different things. Mm. So go get those walking shoes, get your cup of coffee, pop in those earbuds. Let's spend the next few minutes talking about purpose-driven habits. I'm not doing this alone. In fact, I've invited my friend and really expert in my life um, um, talk about habits, Jenna Zent. And so Jenna Zent is here with us. And um, Jenna, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me, friend. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here. It's way fun doing it in person in your bedroom. I'm like, oh, it feels like the epitome <laughs> <Yeah>. of friendship. <laughs> it does. It's, it kind of feels like back in COVID days when we were just like, you know, That's together, right. everyone's kind of cozy and all that. But today we're going to talk about um, habits. Last week, we really talked kind of about the emotional, relational, you know, Jesus heart behind habits and connection and all that. Um, but let's talk a little bit today about purpose-driven habits when it comes to structure. So I'm curious as somebody who I want to say you were a Holy Spirit hippie. That's kind of like what I would call you. <laughs> I would too. Yeah. A Holy Spirit hippie. Um, what was your relationship to structure and how did you begin to figure out that that wasn't going to take something from you? Mm, that's so good. Yeah. I really felt like some of my favorite parts of myself were my spontaneity and fun and flexibility. So like I, I avoided a lot of structure because I thought that would shut down who I was meant to be. (laughs) But I think the interesting part is like, um, structure done well is meant to support who we are. So I think this idea that it all needs, it looks, needs to look the same in everybody is not true. So even I teach a class, a master class about habits in like 10 weeks. The goal is not for you to look like me at the end or me to give you a structure that'll work in. Cause we look at like the six areas of your life and then build habits in those. But the idea is like, what does structure look like to support who you are, who you're called to be and how you're like designed because that's beautiful. So I think the idea of structure being different, but everybody needing it. Like someone pointed out once that like our bodies are the epitome of organic and like, you know, but they have bones to hold us up. My bones are shaped different than your bones, but like all these examples in nature back up the Lord's um, design for structure. So it's not skyscraper rigid is what I thought. It's actually this beautiful, there's a flow. It's not perfect, but everything has some structure behind it. even like babies being born in nine months with all the miracles and they look different. Every pregnancy is different, but like that doesn't change. So I'm like, Oh, what does it look like for me to lean into that kind of structure rather than like rigid shutdown? So funny though, when I started my journey with habits, I was into it for a while. And then I was like, I was building a few, but I still felt this resistance. And I felt like the Lord was like, you have to look at your relationship with structure before you go further. You can't dive into habits if you have some of these like unconscious feelings and beliefs about structure. And at first I felt like, um, I felt a little judgmental of myself because I know all the like, I don't know, pro athletes and all the people who excel in their niches have a ton of structure. So I just kind of thought I'd never be that. I'd be this warm, fuzzy person (laughs) who has everybody over, even if your house is a hot mess. But then realizing like, oh, like structure is not at odds with who I am. It can help help me be there more. So anyways, as I was diving into my relationship with structure, um, I literally just asked myself, how do you feel about structure? 
where did you learn that? How did you see it like demonstrated to you? And I almost did this like moment with the Lord. I wrote down my answers. We actually do this in my class. You did it. So, you know, Um, it's funny telling you about something that you were there (laughs) for, (laughs) but like actually systematically taking the time to like dive into your relationship with structure, because that's going to influence how you show up with habits. Like you might try to be able to strong arm yourself into success for a little bit, but long-term, if I, what I, one of the things that I discovered was that I thought structure was opposing connection because I had seen structure be some, some people in my life, um, almost like their God, like, because it provided safety and for control. It was their grab for control when they felt afraid instead of like turning to the Lord, they would tighten down the structure, me, on them, on our lives. So I didn't like that because it hurt me a lot. Like, and I, at first I felt judgmental of all the ways that I didn't have structure. I'm like, I'm an adult. I shouldn't, why do I like, why am I still resisting it? But then as I was able to like, I just, the Lord brought me into different points of like, where did you learn this? So how'd you see it? Like, oh, that's probably this like loving kindness of like, can you connect with empathy that of course you feel this way? If that was what your little child self was taught, like you were just mirroring what your example. And now like you get to choose to like lose some of those bits and maybe realize that they're not absolute truth. That was that person's flavor of structure. Like what does my, like what does divine heavenly life-giving structure look like? And so that was a huge journey for me. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. And I hope you guys caught that because what she's, what you really said was the way that structure was when I was growing up was not a, it was not a safe um, you know, abundant experience. It was used for control or it was, it was to maybe eradicate fear, anxiety of the, of the person that was, um, in your, imposing it. Yeah. (laughs) Opposing. And so what happens is as an adult, you polarized, you went, I'm not going to do that. We're not going to do structure. Um, when you had me do this habit, you had everybody write down like just a a paragraph on, you know, what's your relationship with structure. And when you even said the word structure, I was like, Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) like, Ooh. And it's not that I'm, you know, not opposed to structure, but, um, I started, it took me a minute, but I started writing down that concept of like, what do I think about structure? And immediately, and we kind of thought you, you actually had us go back to our childhood because again, your caretaker is really where you learn a lot of things, whether they're good or bad, it's your foundation. And so for me, I found that my, I thought structure, oh, that was my dad. Like my dad was raised in boarding school. You know, he's a Italian Catholic. Like they, you know, they walks every day. Yeah. They like neurotic about structure. And then I have my mom who is like, farm girl, California, like, like hippie, um, just, I mean, super spontaneous, really laid back. And so I knew, okay, those are the two role models in my life. Um, and then I realized this took me a minute as I was sitting there. Oh, wait. So when my dad was there, that was masculine and that was work. Mm. And when my, when I was home, that was feminine and that was nurture. And I realized that in my brain, right, we talk about, we talked about this in our last podcast, but the, the mental loop, the mental habit of what I thought about things and my behavior, I had linked it up was if I want to be nurturing, I have to have no structure. Mm. And if I want to be efficient, I have to have structure. So I found that in my work world, I was super structured and like efficient and let's get it done and a little masculine. And then in my home life, I tended to not want any structure because I wanted to be nurturing like my mom. And I felt like I couldn't be nurturing if I added structure, which is great until nobody has clean clothes or (laughs) doesn't get laundered or what science um, project. Yeah, exactly. Or even I was putting a ton of pressure on Ben 
my mm. husband to create structure because I wanted to be the mom. I wanted to be yeah. nurturing instead of realizing like I actually was making his life really hard because I refused to put that structure because I had that internal thought that I was not going to be kind and nurturing and structure mm. or that it would take away my femininity. And so I, that was really an aha moment for me. And that's when I started to understand. And I think that when you talked about it, like, um, the relationship with structure is really important. You have to go back to who taught you structure. And then I think for some of us that are listening, structure is a place we hide rather yeah. than actually knowing it's what like we the need. other end of the spectrum. Yeah. yeah. So t- tell us a little bit about why we have to learn this, why it's important that we understand our relationship with structure and like, how did you know? Cause one thing you've always said is start, start curious. Yeah. So Give us a little bit of insight on that too. Well, it's interesting because in your brain, when something comes up that you don't like, or it might be feel pain, like whatever you want to call it, like just like, oh, um, there's like two choices. I think of it like a trailhead. You can either choose contempt, which I think of as like shame, or you can choose curiosity. And what I mean by two trailheads is what the brain science has found is that these parts of your brain can't happen at the same time. I just think this is so Jesus. Wow. Whenever I find out stuff like that, I'm like, oh, this was in your, you knew what you were doing, God. <laughs> you're a good designer. <laughs> but like this idea that there's a choice, you're either going to choose shame and contempt, which shuts down curiosity. They actually say it makes you disassociate and like, which duh in the bible with adam and eve when they had the shame they like disassociated and tried to hide from the lord like we do that with ourselves internally like when we choose shame when we find like pain so instead like when i found this like oh i don't know that this definition of structure is serving me i felt the temptation to go down shame and be like but i know adults do this i should be blah 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 instead i was like got curious and that's why I asked myself where did you learn this rather than being like you suck Jono (laughs) get over it you know don't think that way and I was like oh and as it led me on this curious journey I was able to see all like almost like the breadcrumbs of how I'd gotten there and then was able to connect with empathy and be like okay what if that's not true though what if this has been your paradigm that you've only known but like you could shift it and just letting the Lord from that spot bring in truth and kind of like, okay, what is your design of structure? And that was when I really found root with some of my habits of like, oh, it's actually not meant to steal all my fun. It's not this discipline, you know, it's not like in the sense of like, if someone's out of order, like I'm here to take away all the things you enjoy, like relationship and connection, just do the thing, run five (laughs) miles a day, eat only carrots. I don't know what carrots, vegetables. (laughs) That's it, you know? Okay. So I want to go back for a second because you just really said some brilliant things. I know you don't, you're probably like, yeah, I'm used to saying this, but when you asked yourself, um, where did I learn this? How long did that take you to start thinking that direction? Like, did you just immediately or, and then you went into what if that's not true? So like those two questions, guys, I hope you caught that. Where did I learn this? Brilliant. And sometimes it's not even what we think. We can't be like, well, my dad was a punk. That's why. Yeah. Like, no, actually it could have been from a spiritual leader. It could have been it's from cool. a TV, I always right? invite the Lord into that Okay, part. so I'm yeah, like, tell when us I what say, you do. Well, one, I would actually like to say, I think um, sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, you process so much. And I realize that the one of the major shifts internally with my walk with the Lord and even just getting unstuck was making time to process where I'm not just 
in taking information where I actually take some pain to the Lord to get comfort. And that for me, I have ADHD like you. <laughs> That's why we're a ping pong of energy. All the, great, all the greats do. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, is that I have to actually go on walks. And I think I used to thought maybe I need an, um, an inner healing session at my church once a year to clean up the mess, you know, but instead the Lord was like, what would it look like if you made a habit out of making time to process pain to get comfort for me and get curious? So like now I do these walks probably a few times a week where I'm not intake, like I'm not, um, consuming in like media. I'm actually processing how I feel and asking these questions. Cause unless I'm still and quiet, I can't get there. It's like, great. I put that on the back burner of other things to do eventually. I'm like I actually have to carve out the time. So on this walk, I was asking the Lord and I was like, I didn't have anything that in initially came. And I was like, Lord, like if you're meant to be the counselor, can you save me a hundred dollars <laughs> for going to see a counselor and like, show me, like, let me know your Holy spirit. That's kind of a standing invite I have with the Lord. Like show me your counselor show. I want to understand you as comfort. And I can't understand. I can't like to the measure that I know that I'm willing to face my pain is the measure that I'll receive comfort. So before I used to like kind of, I'm pretty optimistic. I'd slap like the mm -hmm. truth on it and be like, okay, I feel alone, but I'm never alone because Christ <laughs> is with me, you know, or something like a good little scripture plaque. I would just throw it at my yeah. pain is what I felt like. Oh, absolutely. But I felt like the Lord was like, that's actually not what I mean by like renewing your mind or landing in truth. Like what you're doing, like I'm the scripture of like uh, walking through the valley of death. Like I'll be there as comfort. Like he's like the amount that you're willing to actually face your pain is the depth that you'll receive comfort from me. So you are actually bypassing because you're afraid of that pain, of drowning in that pain or becoming a victim, but actually you're limiting yourself to knowing me as a comfort. So now I feel so much closer because I'm so much more honest with the Lord with how I feel. I don't stay there. I think that's where people get afraid and try to jump to the, like, let's fly over the valley of death to the right answer <laughs> on the other side. Because I think we saw a lot of people, maybe we've done it ourselves, camp in the valley we of do. death. And yep. I'm like, there's not neither of those or what he called us to, you know, like walking, like a process. So, um, anyways. So, so you see him instead of just comfort me, you go, actually, I see him as a counselor first. I, I walk yeah. in and I bring my pain and I don't expect him to just almost like comfort. Like you're good. Let me just heal you. Yeah. you or don't feel that way. You know, yeah. you're not alone girl. Right. Yeah. And then like pat you on your butt and send you out the door. Right. Like <laughs> a nurse who says, yeah. Hey, let me take your temperature. You're good. Versus a counselor that says, tell me more. Oh, so, so the good. curiosity of the Holy Spirit, you yeah. let him be the counselor first. So you can, you can actually bring all of your pain, all your confusion, all your concerns and fears. And then he shows up as a comforter to resolve those. Never seen it like that, but that's really, yeah. It's very clear. It feels like I have this little box of like knickknacks and I'm like, <laughs> and the Lord's like, do you want to look in that? I'm like, oh, no, no. <laughs> he's like, you can pour it out. And like, okay, it might not be pretty. And then I pour it out and we like, he's like, okay, instead of me being ashamed of what's all in there, like there's some good things, but then there's some pain. He's like, oh, like, it's almost like we go by it line by line. Like, where do you think you learned that about? Like, where did this screw come from? Like, okay, do you think it's helping you or unhelpful? Do you think it's maybe something else is true, even though this has felt true for so long? And then letting him actually examine things rather than disassociating or like, shoving. don't look at that box or blaming it on someone else. Yeah. That's so true. Because I think that's part of it too is, well, I got that from my parent or I got that from my family member. Or, and so I'm powerless to change that versus you're kind of getting your power back and saying, where did I learn that? Is that true? Yeah. I'm allowed to change what I believe about that. And I'm allowed to actually change my life and my story outside of whatever I had learned. And I think that's part of the powerful thing. Like I know we're, we've hit a lot of that internal in the beginning of the, this process, but you really are getting your power back. And I know that yes. that can sound kind of new agey and weird. And I promise <laughs> we're not, 
but what I mean by that is the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you're called to be powerful. You're not called to be weak and he is strong and you're just a mess and a victim and he's trying to be strong through you. No, you're called to rise up and you're a daughter or a son of God. You've got that authority in you. He's in you, but you're not a weak victim. You are strong and you're finding that confidence by your identity of who you are and who you belong to and why you're here. So I, I think that that's what we're talking about is not meeting him in the pain and just being more of a victim to yeah. it. But we're saying like, we walk through the valley. We don't stop in the valley, but yeah. we walk through the valley. So you take it, you ask those two questions. First, where did I learn this? Second, is that true? Yeah. How long is that process? Is that a quick thing or does that it take It really time? depends on the situation because I do this all the time. So whether it's a deep pain or sometimes it's like, oh, as I'm like undoing this, I'm like, this really hurt when the friend said this like last night. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's that lesson I'm learning where I feel like I learned as a kid I had to be the biggest person in the relationship. And this, I feel really lonely because I think everyone expects me to show up bigger, but I do show up bigger. And it's like, oh, this is, this is that button for me. So sometimes if it's a brand new thing, it might take longer. But if it's a more like, oh yeah, that's something I'm aware of that yeah. hit that. That's why it felt like my reaction felt bigger than what happened, if that makes sense. And I think of it like the same analogy of the Jenga tower. I'm taking it. It's like one more opportunity for me to take deconstruct that like that mindset isn't helping me like me showing up thinking I'm the biggest person in the relationship it's hindered so many relationships like and reminding myself because you said like I asked where did I learn that I have to remind myself like you're not that little kid anymore who maybe was the biggest like you're actually safe in your marriage and your husband doesn't want you to be the biggest person in the relationship so like until you stop owning 75 percent and risk giving him back that extra 25% that he might, all the fears that are flooded, oh, like, totally. oh, he might not remember, he might not show up that way, he's not as emotionally aware, like all the things that the Lord's like, totally, until you risk that 25%, remind yourself you're not the child that you were who was unsafe, that you can find new safety, you won't ever learn that you're not, the, you won't believe, it's like this lonely loop, what I call it, so anyways, like you said, <sighs> it takes longer and shorter depending on what I've done, but making time for it, and not being afraid of my pain, or thinking like, I think I thought it would magnify, like I'm going to be yeah. camped in the valley, yeah. but now I'm like, oh no, I'm moving through so much more because I'm willing to look at it with Jesus and be like, oh, I don't think that's helping me anymore. I don't actually think that ever was true or I'm not that kid anymore. So how does adult Jenna want to show up? Like, how is she going to show up in her marriage? Not bringing some of that pain from childhood in to let it steal from the beautiful relationship I have in front of me. Yeah. It is such a profound thing to witness. And honestly, for me, like our friendship, you have done that for me many times where I feel very overwhelmed or confused or I don't know what to do and you just well where did you learn that is that true what is what is true and let's lean into that so that whole process I love and I think it's it's just accessible mm -hmm. to us and growing in so as you started to you, like I love what you said I went through structure I started changing a few things and then I found this internal resistance this I'm standing up but I'm sitting down internally yeah then you went into your process of oh wow I learned that structure was it was that connection was sacrificed for structure well said right yep it was like at odds with each other so then I felt like the Lord was like can you are you willing to go on a journey to realize that structure can support connection so instead of the chaos you've been living in and being not honest with that, the chaos has actually cost my connection. Like what if the right amount of structure could beautifully support the connection, you showing up to be the kind of mom that you want to be, the wife you want to be, the friend, having the connection with myself. Like I think a connection with like with my community, you know, family, with myself, and then with the Lord. And that was an interesting one to have. That was probably the most 
revolutionary for me is realizing how much I had resisted the spiritual disciplines because they were structure. And I had, um, growing up until I was like 25, I had a beautiful flourishing relationship with the Lord. And it was like so full of relationship and intimacy. And like, I felt like I knew him in ways that I was never told he could, you know, the Holy Spirit could show up for you. Like he, um, yeah, gosh, anyways. Um, and then I turned 25 and wasn't at the ministry schools anymore and all these things. And I just went through this period of having babies and getting married and starting businesses. And I just was so um, disconnected from where I had been. And if you, I'd hear everybody talk about reading their Bible and praying. And what I saw growing up was the people who did that would then turn around and literally like hurt me physically, emotionally abused. So I was um, just this awareness of like, that doesn't equate, like that structure doesn't equate, to, equate necessarily to connection. Therefore, like I put it in the same category. So I avoided all of the spiritual structures in my life of regular, because I was like, oh, I have this beautiful flourishing relationship. Fast forward um, 10 years later, I'm like, okay, I don't, I had no major church pains. I didn't backslide. I didn't deconstruct. I wasn't not believing truth, but I just would I lived like Sunday to Sunday uh-huh. with Jesus. And whenever, if I went to an extra service or is that a Bible study? I was like, great. And I felt his presence, but I had no habits in my life that were feeding that relationship and connection. And for me, um, realizing like, oh, actually making, instead of calling them discipline, where I have this childhood pain of seeing it as structure and almost killing something that I love so beautiful, like the organicness of my relationship with the Lord, seeing it as like, oh, the reason I felt so distant this last 10 years is not because God's distant from me. He's still there, nor is it because he's mad and he's punishing me, but I've lost all my Jesus habits. So for me, I started not calling them disciplines and calling them Jesus habits because I was like, oh, that's what I want. I've seen the fruit of regularly scheduled little bits of effort and the result of um, buying back margin. And it invests, it feels like those little habits invest in a flourishing relationship and connection. I was like, what if I could do that with Jesus? So I have had like a, honestly a 180 with my heart with the Lord. And the difference is I have all these small habits with Jesus. <laughs> I have my Jesus habits. And it was funny how different it was, but of my pain from childhood of spiritual disciplines, just yeah. calling them different. Like, oh, I've seen the fruit of like small effort resulting in big results. So um, for me, I started with a five minute walk, like I said, but it wasn't even so funny. Have I wasn't even to a point where I could like pray. I was like, Oh, <laughs> that sounds really hard. So I picked one like song that made me kind of think about Jesus. And then I would list five things I was happy for. And then that fast forward, like I spend so much time with the Lord now and I like reading my Bible and I'm fasting and like all these things that I'm like, if I hadn't started with my five minute walk, I would have never got there. But at some level, the beauty about habits is that they build and there's momentum, but all you have to start with is something so small. And it was funny because at first that felt offensive giving Jesus five minutes I'm like are you mad that I'm only giving you five minutes like because you hear like your pastors talking about how much time they're spending with the Lord so again like we talked about last time that all or nothing mentality of like okay if I'm gonna have connect uh, habits that invest in connection they have to be an hour they have to be these beautiful date nights with my husband or an hour and a half with the Lord while I'm weeping but like so saying five minutes it almost felt like it was too small to give God like he it'd be like me giving him my five minutes and him like sliding it back across the table like really that's not really and I'm like oh okay what did my pastor do I'm gonna try that and then doing it maybe for a week and failing or remember you know it's else not just other people comparison but comparison to your past season so times um I spent some time in childhood well not childhood in my 20s at the house of prayer and I would literally spend hours a day in the prayer room and I was so close with the Lord so then 
when I'm looking back to th- seeing like, when was the last time, if I feel distant from the Lord, when was the last time I felt close and be like, when I was there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. Like even comparison to past seasons. So it was like, there were times that I felt inspired and would try and fail because my current life with three children does not lend itself to that season. Or I feel, um, like shame because I couldn't do that. So there's nothing I could do. I would either try to go back and replicate a season that I wasn't in to get connection. It was like a formula or try nothing because I knew I couldn't do that. So this idea of like, what do I have to give in this season? What worked in past seasons? What's doable? Because I think we get with small kids and just when life gets busy, even if you don't have kids, all the excuses come in. So for me, it was just a difference of, I can give you five minutes and I'm going to prioritize it. So it's actually my first habit. I walk, I have to leave my house. That's a pro tip. (laughs) If you were a woman, get out of your house because it is so helpful. But, uh, and I just walk for five minutes. Most of the time it's in my pajamas. Sometimes I put a bra on, sometimes I don't, (laughs) but I know I'll get sucked into the day. So just prioritizing it has like helped so much my connection with the Lord. Um, and and it was funny because even with, when I thought like, is that rude giving God only five minutes? He was like, it's more minutes than you've been giving me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, true, 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 true. And then realizing too, the story I was telling myself is that he'd be mad. And at one point I was like, hey, I felt like he was like, do you want to ask me what I think about you wanting to give me 10, five to 10 minutes daily? And he was like, I would love it. That would, like, again, like the idea of the widow giving the two cents, like, let's see what I can do with two cents. And it just reminds me of like changing my hunger. So going from these habits, being really small, it like made me, increase my appetite so that's why I'm building is not because of this should or this like the way that structure was represented to me before was like all the things that would be um you know noble to do it was like no I'm doing it because I want to because I've stoked five minutes that led to 10 minutes that led to 15 minutes month after month oh it's brilliant I love it so much um you know I was thinking about it too um, and I know you're doing this, you don't, you're not intentionally doing this, but the way that God speaks to you is so compassionate and kind mm-hmm. and generous. Um, and I remember going through one of our habits in your master class, and one of them was just really, how is God speaking to you? And I went through, I, I thought, oh, it, you know, it's my pastor or it was this person, you know, this amazing preacher I used to listen to. And then all of a sudden I was like, what, who is the safest voice in my life? Who loves me the most? Mm-hmm. And I thought about my husband, you know, who, um, there's sometimes when I'm just working so hard and doing, trying to do my best and messing it up and, but doing, you know, doing my best and kind of feeling overwhelmed. And sometimes he'll just look at me and he'll just have this compassion in his eyes and he'll yeah. go, babe, you're trying so hard and I'm so proud of you. Like I see what you're trying to do and you are incredible. Mm-hmm. And that right there, yes, that's Ben Cunnington. He's amazing. But more than that, it was like he was showing me that's actually my voice. Like when you feel that sense of compassion, empathy, um, hope, like that's my voice. And I think when it comes to habits, that's, I feel like, and again, this is something to talk even more about later, but the, that internal voice of structure if it's condemning, if it's the person you least liked, if it was a, a leader that you go, well, it should be, you know, is it your dad's voice? Is it your mom's voice? Is it your teacher's voice? Is it your older sibling's voice? If that voice isn't healthy, if that voice isn't full of hope, then it doesn't matter what you do, your, your almost your muscle memory is going to resist. And so I just, I love what you're doing because there's somewhere along the line, you have figured out his voice in a very safe way. Were you taught that? How has that happened? Mm. Because I know how that works in my life, but I'm curious. I know there are people that are listening today that are like, I don't know if I hear God like that, or I have forgotten to hear God like that. 
I, I think the first thought is just to ask yourself, how do you hear God? Because so I didn't good. know that. I yeah. thought I'm hearing him. What does he like, sound like? Yeah. So tell us that. I would say that. Yeah. What would you ask yourself first? Or what, what does God sound like? Yeah, and, I think so on some level. I think what started for me when I realized that I was like putting judgment on God's voice that he wasn't. I, I almost felt at one point he's like, you're misrepresenting me to yourself. And like a little level of conviction. And I was like, oh. And he was like, you're actually adding some self-condemnation in areas that I haven't. And then the scripture of like his loving kindness turns us to repentance. And he was like, you've not experienced, like you've decided that, I think in this day and age, it makes sense that almost like if you, um, if you take shame off the table, then there's no rules, you know, like then you can't mess up. So you're never going to feel bad. Like that's the opposite. Jesus gives me true slaps all the time. (laughs) (laughs) How often I turn to him about pain in my marriage. He's like, oh, sweet girl, I think you're seeing your husband like this. And is he like that? I'm like, no, it's me, (laughs) you know? So anyways, but the point is- the next book is Truth Slaps by God. Yeah, (laughs) all of them. I always write my notes and a truth slap. But the idea of like, oh, sweet girl. And then he speaks truth to me versus, and it was interesting what you were saying, how you can hear like, who's a really kind voice in your head. I actually had to go with- um, because I kept my husband's like your husband. Ex- and we're very similar uh-huh. dynamics in our marriage. We're, we're the idea energetic ones and they maintain all the things we've started. And we're like, thanks, babe. I'm going to go start this other thing. But you got those in our kids in the groceries. Yeah. Um, anyways, but like I even projected on my husband's voice, a voice of shame. Like he's so disappointed in me, blah, blah, blah. He, you know, feels like I'm making him the parent, all the things that he really never said. So I had to go to the Lord was like at one point because I tried that. And he was like, what would you say to a kid that you loved? that you just like love so much and that you, yes if you have kids great it's easy to imagine to your child but if you have a niece or a nephew or a friend's child that you just love like what level of grace to grow compassion empathy inspiring what you see in them like calling out the potential how would you motivate them would you tell them all the ways they suck and try to do it with shame or would you be so kind so then I I felt for a while I only had permission to hear his voice like I would talk to my daughter Wow. And I was like, okay, that's totally different. It does not take um, the rules off the table. It doesn't take the truth slaps off the table, but it's because he wants better for me and how often my cycles or patterns are causing me pain. Yeah. And he wants me to get out of the pain. Not because he's like, oh, I'm so disappointed. You missed it again, Jenna. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I did. We're both disappointed. No. <laughs> so that was it for me. And then just making time. I actually literally asked the Lord, like, how do you see this? Like when I realize I'm looping down a really negative, like I call them shame spirals (laughs) or I'm, I actually think of, um, shame as it can be pointed inward or outward. And when it's pointed outward, it's blame. So those are both areas that I notice. Like if I'm shame spiraling myself or if I'm starting to blame everybody around me, I'm like, oh, I'm off. I'm not hearing the Lord correctly in some of this because he doesn't throw shame that way or this way. So then I stop and be like, oh, okay. How do you see my husband, if I'm throwing blame, how do you see that person who's causing me pain? Or how do you see myself? And I stop to hear and readjust. It's almost like you have to recalibrate. Yeah. Cause your own voice creeps in. You're like, what's, what are you saying about this situation? Yeah. Oh, it's so brilliant. So shame pointed inward, or I guess, um, disappointment, whatever it is, shame is directed towards us. Shame outward or pointed outward is blame. I've never heard that. And I like that because I, definitely see both in my life. And so I'm like, I'm not shaming anybody, but am I blaming them? Absolutely. (laughs) Like they are worthy of being blamed. So I, I really love that. Okay. So those are listening today that feel like, okay, I want to, I want to change my relationship with structure. 
Um, I think there are two types that are probably listening and probably a bunch of us in the middle, but you've got those that just resist structure altogether. We would probably ask, say, right. You need to ask yourself where you learned that. Yeah. And that shame, that, that connection and structure are not the same thing. They're not at odds with each other. They're not at odds with each other. Love that. What about people that are listening that are so structured? Yeah. Um, do they need to think about connection? Yeah, I actually, so in the class, there really usually are two camps. Like there, I think of it like a number line. What camp are you in? And usually <laughs> people aren't totally polarized in, you know, tens, but, um, the other camp is the ones who I like, like I just over like simplify idealized structure where that's they, it's their attempts to control and manufacture their own safety. So they don't need others or the Lord. And it's like, where am I actually leaning too heavily on structure that I'm not letting the organicness of life and other people show up as they are or myself show up as they are and um, assessing that from the Lord. Like, why did I learn that? And a lot of people, you know, we talked about like doing the opposite polar. It's because they had a parent that either um, had no structure. So they are like, that was so not safe. So this is safe. So I think it's just like, like I said, rarely are people at the, I almost say avoid or idealize structure. There's somewhere in the middle, but the idea of like taking it to the Lord, like, where did I see it? What do you say about structure? How could I tweak? Like, what does my unlearning look like? And actually take a little bit of a habit of like, I usually get myself a catch, a catchphrase of like structure and connection aren't at odds with each other. They're meant to support was mine. So if like someone's on the idealizing structure end of the spectrum of like, oh, my safety is actually not found in my structure or my ability to control, like it's better placed in the Lord. So connection and structure are not at odds with each other. That's brilliant. I hope you guys caught that. Here's my last question, which could be like opening up a can of worms. <laughs> what happens if you live with someone who is either anti-structure or rigid in their structure and you're like just trying to play the opposite role in the family? Yeah, I think, well, that's funny because even in the class, like people will come in and like three weeks in, they're like, I'm really hoping my husband catches on <laughs> or <laughs> I'm here because my husband sent me, you know, like, but like you said, either one. I think you have to go on this journey actually not I think you need to go on this journey for yourself when you're thinking about how it'll either how that's codependency like you don't get to show up as yourself like this needs to be your own journey with the Lord and the cool part is I never asked my husband to adopt any of his habits or change anything because I knew that wouldn't work. I tried earlier on. Actually, let's be honest. I did try a couple times and I saw how terribly that went. And at one point he's like, I think you need to not try to be my habit coach. You can go be other people's habit coach, but I want you as my wife. And I was like, okay, but I have so many good ideas. (laughs) Anyways, um, but with that, like that being said, now he makes like the habit of making my bed. He makes our bed every morning because he's in bed later than I, but I've never asked him. He just felt the fruit, like we go back to fruit. Like he saw how much more order that brought he was impressed he honored me he wanted to be a part of it like when you there can be a catch-up time and I think reality is some people's spouses catch up in three weeks some people catch up in a year the idea though like you're not meant to judge their time or process but you will inspire them if you live your life for yourself not like hey did you notice that like that they can pick up on that too I think we think we're being more subtle like no no (laughs) if it's for the sake of inspiring them they'll pick that up if you're just running your own lane trying to be the best version of yourself they don't want to get left behind so even a testimony to that literal running metaphor is that I've always loved exercise and my husband is not that guy he's naturally skinny like your husband so he's (laughs) never had to be that guy but um, I have asked him on different times to try to join me and finally he did start his own fitness habits because he has like headaches. And I was like, man, I feel like this would really not just like, I think people 
um, leave fitness to a tool that of weight control. And you're like, oh, it is so much more than that. Like it's, I feel sad if you think that's all. Like it is like eight other things that bring me so much life. So anyways, um, he like started his own and then I asked him to join him one time and he was like, okay, we tried it. It did not go well. That's the reason I call my, all my brand lab because it's an experiment. It's not the first thing you try is going to work. It's the idea of you're going to have to go back to the drawing board. So then I was like, oh no. I'm like, okay, don't get hopeless. Something will come. And then I asked him if we would, if we will, I was going to do a, tri- a mini triathlon. Um, I just did it actually last weekend. And I asked him in June if he would train. Like, I was like, hey, does this sound fun? I'm going to do it. So again, the not making, you don't have to do it. I'm not codependent with you. Uh, I can be okay, even if you don't do what I would love to have you join me in. Um, and he was like, yeah, that actually sounds fun. And then we did it together and it was so connecting and bonding, but I'm like, oh my gosh, this wouldn't have happened two years ago. Or if I tried to micromanage his own journey or control it, like go be in your lane, be the best version of yourself and the freedom and the fruit of your life will literally inspire whoever you're hoping catches it, you know? Oh, so good. Yeah. That the thought I, I love that because habits is, it requires autonomy. It requires you to own your whole life, choices, attitudes, feelings, whole, like a hundred percent. That's how you get powerful. And that's how, that's the only person you're really in charge of anyway, but it was really cool. And if you follow Jenna on socials, you can go see, she has a picture of her and Aaron finishing their triathlon. And Oh, I was vicariously living through you. I do want to say what you just said is oftentimes when people think of what they'd like to change, they go through this list of, I can't, well, I can't cause they won't, I can't. I'm like, if we're talking about victims to me, that automatically flags, I don't feel shame, but I'm like, Oh, I'm being a victim to my kids. I can't do this, blah, blah. blah. And I just think like, okay, I want to grow. I want to have a fitness habit. I can't do what I used to be able to do. I can't do what that lady's doing, but what can I do? I always kind of tease. I don't li- waste time and I can't land because that's no power or creativity live there. So I'm yeah. like, cool. If you're thinking all the reasons you can't do whatever, it's someone else is your hindrance. Like you need to change your perspective. So good. Like passengers don't get to decide a different route, right? Oh, but drivers good. can, they can reroute and they, they never have a dead end. So, so I always good. feel like if you're, a, I can't, you're a passenger. And you're acting like a passenger, passengers are victims. But if you're the driver of your, of, then, you know, we're going to reroute. There's no dead ends. I got to figure it out. Literally, and my kids come with me sometimes. They bike next yeah. to me while I'm running. I, I have to figure it out. You it looks gotta different. got to do it. Yeah. I'm with you. And and I, we're going to get more into the practical next week as we get into this Purpose Driven Habit series, because we've been talking a lot about heart. Today, we talked about, well, actually, last week, we talked more about why habits have been important and really the transform, the transformative work of a habit. Um, and uh, this week, we talked a lot about, which you were here, we talked about structure and our relationship to structure and to connection. And next week, we're going to talk more about purpose-driven habits. So don't miss out. Uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss our last uh, really conversation together about purpose-driven habits. And I, and I have to tell you, if you love this podcast and you're like, oh my gosh, I love Jenna. I love this. I want more. I have something for you. We have something for you. Oh, yeah. We are opening up a master class, habit class. Um, that is what Jenna's been talking about. It's what I took in January and it's available to you. In fact, it's going to be starting the 1st of October, the, the, in the beginning of October, I should say. And um, we are doing a full uh, masterclass. It is an invitation. You are able to sign up. It is, it is, it's going to be incredible. Um, but it's going to go through October and November and you are invited to take this masterclass. It is for men and women. It is for working or stay at home. It is for all ages. It really is a masterclass that's meant to be able to take on the go as a busy person. And everything you're learning from Jenna is way more in depth and it's, 
it's week after week after week. So you really can implement these things. So you're not thinking, how do I do this? We will take you through all of that. So how do you sign up? Well, you can save your spot by simply going into our show notes. There is a link right there that gives you the landing page. You can click on that and it will give you, walk you right through it. You can sign up um, and invest in that class. It's open right now. It's open enrollment. If you think of somebody that needs this, send this podcast to them or let them in on it. And if you are a local, you live in Reading, mm -hmm. um, you can apply to actually come to a live class. It's a limited, it's actually keeping it really limited. There's a, a limited amount of seats, uh, but you can apply to be a local attender, um, which I'll be there. Jen will be there. It's, I'm very excited. I'm not leading it. I'm just the fly on the wall enjoying it as well, but that is available as well. But if you live all over the world and you're listening to this, I love it. You don't have to miss out. You can actually participate in our Habit Lab Masterclass led by Jenna Zent. All the details are in the show notes. Uh, next week, I'll give you even more details, uh, but uh, I'm very excited. Oh, and one last thing. If you go to Bethel Church, I hope you're attending our Purpose Driven Habit class. That yeah. happens every Tuesday night until um, the end of September. So Jenna, thanks for being here. They love you, friend. I love you too. And we'll see you guys next week.